This is Mission.org. This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. A lot of the automation is going to come from two things. It's going to come from better data and machine learning. So I think we've been really doing a lot of work in this space. A lot of the AI machine learning work in the past was in the product side, and now it's going into the business side. Few companies have greater market penetration than communications and media giant Comcast. How does one person, Rick Viaboli, manage to lead this massive organization as the EVP, CIO, and CTO? In this episode, Rick shares a bit about his servant leadership style, how he works to keep his team inspired, and how Comcast is training up the next generation of technology innovators through their boot camps and staff training. This episode is part of our communication series here at IT Visionaries. Last week, we featured Phoenix Real-Time Solutions in their work to reduce latency for truly real-time experiences. And next week, don't miss out on the innovations coming down the pike from Zayo and Access Communications. But before then, let's go to the now. Rick Riaboli, Comcast. Rick, welcome back to IT Visionaries. Hey, thanks, Albert. Great to be here. All right. We want to do a level set just in case, because not everyone might have heard the first episode. But if anyone out there in the world doesn't actually know what Comcast does, can you start off there and give us a quick brief intro? What is Comcast? What do you guys do? Sure. Um, So we are a global media and technology company with three primary businesses. One is Comcast Cable, a second one's NBC Universal, and the third one is Sky. Yeah. So huge, huge networks. So like the way I always tell, I would always joke with everyone is we probably have 100% market penetration, right? This is one of the companies that has that. Like I'm sure every person in the United States has consumed either one a piece of your content or used your rails to transfer data, whether it's through the internet or television or so on. I think you have 100% market penetration in uh, the United States, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, we've grown over the years. I've been with the company 17 years. and um, when I first started, we were really high-speed data and you know cable TV video services. And now we offer cable TV, high-speed internet, but we also offer home security and phone services and wireless services. And we expanded to business services through Comcast Business and advertising services. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Huge, huge role in the in the whole ecosystem of just communications overall for for everyone involved. I want to talk to you, you know, things have changed, obviously, in the last three years. Of course, something has, of course, happened and digital transformation has accelerated for companies everywhere. Things have changed in the last two, three years. People are wanting things faster. There's more implementations and systems that people want to develop with hybrid work and so on. Give us an idea of what that has meant for Comcast as the world and the demands for work have changed over the last two, three years. What has that meant for the business? What have you guys been doing to keep up? Yeah. So first of all, I'll say like so much has changed since the last time I was here and all the effects of, of COVID-19 pandemic on the world and how people interact with each other and how they um, interact with our products and our services. And so there's a couple big ones. The first one I'd say is digital, right? And that I think our customers more and more want us to meet them where they are and which has really driven our digital interactions with our customers tremendously over the last couple of years. And so of the customers that um, interact with us, 97% are now using digital channels, which is pretty mm. amazing. Step back and think about that. What was it before? Any idea? 
I don't have the numbers off the top of my head from three years ago, but it was not near 97%. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know, we have over, you know, 1.4 billion visits to um, our Xfinity.com website every year and 300 million people log into my account and our help and support, which are some of our support channels. I'll talk a little bit about our Xfinity assistant in a minute, but that's gone up 500% since the last time I talked to you. Wow. The usage. So digital has gone up tremendously during this time period. So that's one big one. The second one has really been um, around internet reliability. You know, during this time period, right? I mean, internet has always been a key product for our customers and reliability has always been a top priority for Comcast. But during this time period of COVID, it was literally everyone's connection into, you know, the world. It was how people were getting to school, you know, connecting to their schools, connecting to their businesses. It was their entertainment. I mean, it was literally their lifeline. So, so reliability during this time period was um, super critical. And so we really, I'll say, upped our game over this over the last three years in terms of the things we put in place around network reliability, you know, end-to-end service reliability, and, and really as a company, just end-to-end across the corners of the company, all leaning in to continue to try to drive improved reliability for our customers. Yeah. And one of the things I think about for a company the size of Comcast and the role it plays in the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure is because, you know, I'd love for you to, to kind of hear what you experience because it's not just that this demand comes and Comcast can say, okay, developers, drop some new code and make this happen, right? You guys have to invest in physical machines, routers, lines. You're talking about networking equipment, very expensive things that have to <laughs> physically be procured, installed, implemented. I mean, how fast was this happening? Like where you got like every day when you were sitting down and where you were approving like massive projects to be like, yo, we got to install this in order to move more data faster because internet reliability, that's an easy thing to say, but what is the internet but a bunch of computers strung together by actual lines? You know what I mean? Right, so like, right. the, the only thing the way to make it faster is a different machine, different lines, and better programming to route the traffic. Give us an idea of what that picture looked like as the demand. It sounds like spiked so fast. You guys had to react to that. Yeah, we did. And first of all, I'll say where we were very fortunate is we've been investing in that network. So really, when you think about what does it mean? There's really two big parts to it. There's the network and then there's sort of the systems behind the network. Yeah. And we've been investing hundreds of millions of dollars over the last couple of years into that network. So fantastic that we've been doing that because otherwise we would have been caught flat footed as the as the traffic spiked. But what ended up happening was because of all those big investments, we were able to handle that large spike that came in just as everybody started heading home. And the, the big changes that really occurred, some of it was uh, capacity on the download side, right? Mm-hmm. Traffic coming into people's homes. But the biggest change was, uh, there were two big ones. One was the traffic on the upstream, right? Because people were doing more two-way communication with their schools, with their offices, right? So the upstream was a big change. And then the other one was the shifting of the time of day, because normally the spike is at prime time, six to nine o'clock at night when everybody comes home. Now the spike was in the middle of the day when everybody was at home going to school and working. So, so the short of it was what it meant for us was really going out and where we saw capacity constraints in the network going in and in real time doing these upgrades to make sure that customers were able to get the speeds that they were accustomed to. Yeah. So it turned out, I have to say, like, we were all very pleased with the way the network and the team sort of performed over this two-year period. We're really, um, really happy with it. Yeah. 
in the the last time you were you know you joined us for IT Visionaries three years ago, you had on the show mentioned how you were excited about how AI could potentially impact businesses going forward. Was it part of the process to help you guys identify ways to move traffic faster or handle those upload speed requirements? Did it play a part, or did you guys rely on other forms of technology to make that come true? Because it sounded like the capital investment that you made in the infrastructure was huge because now you had the capacity to do it. But I didn't know if on the programming side, on the software side, on the backend component side, any new solutions were played a role in helping you guys solve how to program all this, basically how to route all this traffic that your capacity could handle. Yeah, no, that's exactly, you hit it on the head. That's exactly what happened was, um, what's funny is we've been using AI for probably 10 to 15 years now within the business, but mainly on the product side of the house. So if you've ever used the our voice remote, where you talk into the voice remote, you control your TV, right? That uses a, a bunch of machine learning technology. And we also use it in our recommendations and personalization. We use it in, in some of our cameras. So we've always used it in a lot of the product, but it's just been in the last couple of years where we started to really use it in how we operate the business. And the network was one of the key areas, right? We've never in the past really started to use it in the network, but in the last couple of years, the amount of uh, data that we're capturing across the whole country in terms of our network, you know, our network logs and, and utilization, it's just massive. And so machine learning comes into play there and it was really a lot of help in helping to identify patterns, right? The anomalies that we were starting to see. And then where we started to see anomalies was where we needed to go do some capacity upgrades. So super helpful there. Yeah. So you kind of went through this period of time where the demands, like you said, it spiked some of your numbers are like 500%. With the guests on IT Visionaries that have come on the show that are all CIO, CTOs at different tech companies, they all talk about how, you know, at minimum hybrids here, like it's not, maybe fully remote won't stay, but hybrid is here. There's always going to be a combination of people working, like you said, from individual homes, inside offices. So that that demand, that spike that you saw, it's probably never coming down. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm sure you can kind of see that happening. Yep. Give us an idea of how you guys, Comcast is looking at how, where are you going to make the investments in the future to make these technologies work? Do you see anything on the horizon that will help you? Kind of like when you were talking three years ago, you're like, hey, AI is going to be, play a bigger part. Do you see other emerging technologies that are going to play a bigger part in helping the business continue to move this much traffic, basically, uh, based on modern demand? Yeah. I mean, I think the big, the big one is we're, we're making some really huge investments in our network. And so that's that's a combination of of changing out some of the electronics, right, in our mm. in the network as well as the actual physical plant and extending fiber deeper into the plant. I don't know if you've seen any of the recent announcements, but we've been doing a lot of experimenting and a lot of trials with um, what we call 10G, which is sort of the next turn of technology that allows us to really drive much higher speeds, you know, 10 gig speeds to the home, both upstream and downstream. So it's companies like ours that are making investments like that to be able to pull that off. And uh, so I think you're going to see more and more from us over the next year or two in terms of those changes. That's pretty wild. I feel like 5G has just got adopted. And I guess that's what it takes to be an infrastructure company. You got to be already thinking about that. (laughs) 10G. That's the fantastic part about Comcast is we, we just know we know what it means to run a network and to be constantly competitive and to keep amping it up. And so every year we just keep investing. There's no, we don't sort of stop and then restart. It's just a continual investment into the, into the network, into the latest technology. Yeah. One of the things that we've also heard a lot of different CIOs talk about continuously is the, you know, not only has AI helped their business, you mentioned that its role there, 
but also more automations. More and more companies are investing in automation, not to, like you said, like many CIOs have said, not to replace people, but to like unlock people's times to work on other tasks when there's any type of repetitive task. They, they're trying to automate those things. Is automation going to play a big part, you think, in, in what you guys are doing to provide these services to all these communication tools that everyone's now relying on? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot of the automation is going to come from two things. It's going to come from better data and machine learning. And right. So I think we've been really doing a lot of work in this space. Like I was saying, a lot of the AI machine learning work in the past was in the product side and now it's going into the business side. And so Mm -hmm. as an example, we built this platform called um, AIQ, which is like it's it's essentially the big a big brain that supports all of our um, service channels, our support channels. And so what we did there is we took the same machine learning technology that we built in the voice remote, right? Where you talk into the voice remote and we figure out what your intent is by doing speech to text and then natural language processing. We figure out what your intent is. We're doing the same thing now for our Xfinity assistant, which is a chat bot. So if you went onto our website and um, started typing into Xfinity assistant, we're changing that text over to intent. We're figuring out where your intent is. At the same time, we're pulling down all this data that we have about you in terms of whether there's outages in your area. We're looking at the telemetry of your equipment. We're looking at whether you recently you know, called a call center or had a tech come out. So we're figuring out the context around you as a customer, as an individual customer. And then we've got algorithms that then try to figure out what's the next best step for you as an individual customer to resolve some of your issues. And so that's the kind of stuff we... What we have is we, we, we built that as a, as a chat bot for, you know, customers to interact with digitally, but then it's also a sidecar for if you want to actually talk, either chat directly with a human agent or you want to call in, it's a sidecar. So it's, it's like you were saying, it assists the, the human agent with giving them information and suggestions to make their jobs easier to help our customers. And so there's just a huge amount of potential, I think, around doing that kind of work of combining sort of contextual data about customers and algorithms and rules to basically improve the customer experience. For yourself, when you think of things outside of, even outside of Comcast or goals for Comcast, how do you envision or what in your, could you explain like a dream state of where you want these services to get to? Like, what would it be like to use these services in the future? Because I think I speak for myself always, but you know, I want more companies to, of course, adopt AI and ML technology if it makes the customer service exchange easier. We've had plenty of people on our show to all talk about, hey, what's a good experience? What's a bad experience? I think we've all been on the wrong end of a bad experience. Yep. Uh, usually has some level of like, hey, it does like whatever the bot, it doesn't understand what I'm typing or it can't figure out the answer or there's too many hits of the knowledge base, not specific enough. I like to always use my case with Intuit when I was trying to issue a person a refund. It kept thinking I wanted a refund. It's like, I don't want a refund. I want to give my customer a refund. How do I do that? <laughs> and it like kept being like, to qualify for a refund for your subscription. I'm like, I don't need a refund, man. But eventually we got that solved. But that's one of those things that's really hard for anyone to figure out because when we as customers are on the other side typing to a chatbot, we tend not to be very specific. You know, we'll type in words like refund. Like that's literally all I typed. You know what I mean? You got to figure out what kind of refund are you figuring out? How do you see like the future in your world, a dream experience when it comes to customer service? Because you already said 97% of your service requests now are digital. The idea that people are going to call in the future and explain themselves seems unlikely. 
like people don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I, th- I think the dream experience is that it's it's personalized and proactive. So I think that the proactive piece is really key. We're, we're getting better at the personalized piece, like I said, by pulling in all this contextual data. But the the proactive piece is the part that we just, you know, we're really leaning into heavily now. And the idea with the proactive is we're going to anticipate if you've got problems, if you've got issues. For instance, we, we, we have a program going on right now where we're using telemetry. We're looking at the telemetry associated with, with your devices. And if we see anomalies in advance of anybody calling us or contacting us, if we see anomalies that make it appear to us that you have a bad connection, we'll text you and let you know that it looks like to us you're having a bad connection mm. and you want to schedule a tech to come out and you'll get a text message. And then if you just say yes, you pick a time through the text message and we schedule a tech to come out to try to proactively address your problem before you even contacted us. Me as an individual, that's the way I want it to work, right? Yeah. I want to be on a, a Teams call or a Zoom call. If I start to see a couple blips, how fantastic would it be to get a text message from my service provider and say, hey, I just realized, I think you had a couple blips. Do you want somebody to come out and take a look at that for you? Or we knew we just realized there were a couple blips and we've already fixed it for you. That sounds like it's pretty far out in the future, but we're already running pilots on that. And um, I'm really bullish on our ability to do that. Listen, as an avid sports fan, I can't wait because I have converted to stream, right? I'm one, of those, I'm one of the people that have cut the cord, although people say cord cutting makes no sense because you clearly have, I have internet to my house, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I rely on stream. So I would love, I would love that, right? Because I think everyone's been there where they're trying to watch or consume a piece of content. The connection for whatever reason doesn't work. Of course you would want someone to be proactive. Like we don't, as consumers, we don't want to know there's a problem. We just want it fixed, right? Like we just want everything we use to work. The idea that we can get to a place where that's more proactive. I mean, I think every customer will love that. And I think it's really important because we know there's like silent sufferers out there that have problems with their connection or problems with their service and they don't call up and they just sort of say like, well, I got a problem, but you know, hopefully it'll go away. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the proactive activity is to really is to get to the bottom of that. So they're not silent sufferers. So we take care of it before um, they even realize they have a problem. Yeah, no doubt about it. Comcast is such a huge company. Where do you invest your time? Because (laughs) this is (laughs) because I'm just curious, like on any given line of business, there's probably like hundreds of projects, IT based projects that are happening at any given time. And give us an idea of how you use your time because I know you have great people and a lot of people working with you, but like, where does, how does your time get cut? Yeah. Um, it's something that I question myself every day. The way I think about my time management is really comes down to sort of leadership style. So I really, I believe in the servant leadership style, which means, and, and there's sort of like two big leadership styles, at least from my perspective, there's command and control and there's servant leadership. Command and control says I'm the big brain. I'm going to delegate to everybody and I'm going to try to Essentially, I'm project managing all my folks to kind of make sure they're doing all the right stuff. The servant leadership is more about establishing the right culture within the organization and then empowering all leaders to do what they need to do and then being there to take down their blockers, to create clarity where there's confusion, to you know connect purpose and the work together and, and to be sort of a change agent. So the adage um, is that they don't work for me, I work for them, right? And it changes the dynamic of like what I do every day. So a lot of what I do every day is scan across all the things going on 
talk to my leaders, figure out where they need help, figure out where there's conflict, you know, figure out where there's maybe not enough clarity about what we should be doing. And I lean in on those spaces. What that means for me is I'm context switching every day. There's a lot of context switching throughout the day. Um, it means I spend a lot of time, probably more time being a, um, a therapist th- than a technologist sometimes. <laughs> but with all that said, to, like, I think if you get a really good culture set up, it becomes this flywheel and things happen really easily. And if you don't have a great culture in place, then it feels like every project you have to lean into and sort of push the big rock up the hill. And so what I've found um, in, in my career and the reason I like really lean in on sort of the culture and the servant leadership piece is it's the only way to scale. Yeah. Like you can't scale the other way. And so that's been, um, and it's been, it's been a ton of fun because it's also how you develop great leaders on the team. And so I've just been super fortunate. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without the leaders. I've just, it sounds very cliche, but I've got like some fantastic people in my group. And so I'm really comfortable just letting them have the autonomy to lead a bunch of these spaces and just come to me when they need help. Yeah. I'd love for you to share your insight on how like projects get started. Does it start like with a, a challenge from you like or the business? Like, hey, we need to figure out, let's say like customer service, or we need to figure this out. And you have different product leads or project leaders come together and like, what is a way we could solve this? Is that kind of how these solutions, I guess, get bubbled to the service? Because you already mentioned earlier, you're not command and dictated. You're not saying, hey, we need to use this set of tools to solve this problem tomorrow, or you're not dictating things like that. Like it's more like, I guess, are you presenting challenges? Like, hey, how do we do this better? And then you let the teams come together and say like, hey, we think we could solve this problem like this. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, it's a little bit of um, bottoms up and top down as far as how our company works. There's a number of things where folks look at the overall business and say, hey, we need to implement some of these initiatives, you know, because these are the things happening in the, in the um, competitive landscape or these are the things happening in the overall ecosystem. But then there's other things that come bottoms up, right? So I'll give you a great example of a bottoms up was I mentioned earlier, the voice remote. Yeah. The voice remote, which was one of our you know, best products, our customers love the voice remote that started, there was no project. There was no product manager. <laughs> there were uh, a couple PhDs that we had in our DC office. And I had asked them, what do you think you could do with voice technology? And they start to build prototypes. And then we iterated on some prototypes and we literally, a couple of us brought it home and started playing with it. And I took all the remotes, the rest, all the other remotes out of my house. And we just started using that. And a couple of us did that. And then we started giving feedback. And the next thing you know, we created this product, which was phenomenal. And so that was a great example of grassroots. It's amazing when you think about it, as big of our, as our company is, we still have projects like that that come from the bottoms up with a couple of engineers that ended up launching something to 35 million customers, yeah. right? So some things come that way, which are really some of the most exciting innovations. And then there's others that are sort of come top down that are sort of driven by the business, right? And um, everyone is somewhere in between. Yeah. You know, with where you guys sit, where, where Comcast sits, because, you know, it's one thing to build software. I always say this, like, it's one thing to build software for customers, right? But like, the fact that you guys are, I mean, you are not just Comcast, but like, you're foundational to the internet. You're the, you're the network. You're the how information gets passed. You are the entertainment that gets consumed. You know, it's a huge, huge array of projects that probably are happening at any given time at Comcast. One of the things that every CIO talks about that joins us on the show also is about talent and how developing talent is one of the biggest challenges, the lack of talent. There's not enough people that have enough talent to do and execute all the projects that a company like Comcast wants to implement. 
And I know that we've done a little homework and it sounds like you and Comcast, you've done a lot to develop IT talent. Uh, there's like a Comcast grows to code bootcamp. What are some of the things you're seeing working in regards to like building this talent? Because it's not just Comcast. The, the world depends. It's going to need more technical talent going forward. And I'm sure you guys with your own grassroots, like homegrown program, that's kind of, that's pretty awesome. Give us an idea of what you guys are doing or how you envision building talent, tech talent, because there's just not enough. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's literally one of, um, one of the things I focus on the most in this role is, is how do we, how do we um, bring in new tech talent and how do we grow what we have? And so we spend a bunch of energy in this space. And so I'll give you, I'll give you a couple quick examples. One is grows to code. Yeah. So one of the leaders in my org came back from a conference one day and said, why don't we go and train up our frontline employees and turn them into software developers? And we all sort of looked at each other like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so we, uh, we partnered with another company, which was, was the boot camp, And um, we ended up going out and we tried to recruit some frontline employees, some techs and some folks from the call center ended up getting, um, we were looking for 12 for 12 people for our first trial. We got something like 200 or 300 applications. So there was definitely an interest and we brought them in and we created a 12 week boot camp for them and then a 10 week apprenticeship and then turned them into software developers. For me, it was a new, um, a new diversified channel for tech talent, which is phenomenal. And then for the call centers and the technicians, this was like a career changing opportunity, right? I mean, mm -hmm. to go from driving a tech to people's houses to fix their problems, to sitting writing code, it was a huge career path. And so, so it was, a, it was absolutely a win-win. And then who, who better to be writing code, who better than building like tools and systems for your frontline employees and your customers than people that were frontline employees that know this stuff better than anybody, right? So we got pretty excited. Our frontline employees absolutely loved it. So we're on our third pass now. The first cohort kicked off, I think it was literally like two weeks before COVID. Yeah. So it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be like um, everybody together, you know, for, for 12 weeks in a room learning how to code. And, you know, literally the first lesson was everybody go home. You're going to be doing this. You're going to be doing this. <laughs> so we're on our third one now, and we even expanded it. We started with grows to code, but now we've expanded into grows to design and grows to network. So we're just creating all these sort of, you know, they're basically bridges from what folks are doing today to getting into these um, new areas where we're resource constrained and where people want to build, you know, future careers. So, so I'm super excited about that one. That one's been fantastic. We did a couple others that I thought were pretty cool. We've declared one day a quarter to be knowledge fest day. Mm. And so we, block everybody's calendars. It's a day of learning. What we have is we have an internal tech conference. So basically we set up usually about a hundred different sessions. You know, we, we've got some of the best network talent in the country. We've got some really strong AI teams. We've got cloud teams. We've got mobile developers, right? The, the list kind of goes on and on. So we thought who better, you know, if you want to build well-rounded technologists, who better to train them than some of the technologists we already have. So, so that's basically this online all day event that happens once a quarter. And it started out just within my team, then grew to the whole technology team. And now has grown to almost most of the cable company, which is pretty cool when you, when you, when you think about that kind of impact. So now we have, 
we actually have business people talking about programming contracts. You know, we've got HR people talking about um, how how our policies work and how, you know, comp works. And so we've created this ecosystem of learning, you know, one day a quarter where everybody sort of just starts teaching each other how their space works. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. G- give me an idea of how many people are taking advantage of these programs. It's several thousand people that jump into these sessions. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is, which is for, for a full day when you think about, you know, the commitment that is, and that's, it's really, I mean, it's great, right? That's, that's our commitment to developing our folks both on the technical side and on the non-technical side. And the last one we did was we created this partnership with Drexel University for a master's of uh, software development. So we, we partnered with Drexel. We created this custom program, uh, certified master's in computers, and but it's tailored to the things that we think they need to know. So it's really heavy in security, in cloud and machine learning and modern modern software technology. So so it's another way if, if employees have a desire to go down that track, we made that available to them. And we, we actually do them partially during the day and partially, you know, partially work time, partially personal time. And we do it. Um, <laughs> the original intent was to do them in the buildings, you know, in our offices, have professors coming into our offices. Again, this one kicked off during COVID. So it's been <laughs> virtual ever since. But, but one day we will, we will do that. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic to hear the the demand from the team members at Comcast trying to say like, hey, I want to learn these skills. That's probably the only way because if we rely on existing school school infrastructure, you know, that's a different topic. But that's we all know curriculums. That's hard to move, right? But internally, you guys can move much faster. And so the ability for taking someone who, like you said, already knows the frontline problems, is like, hey, these are toolkits of solving these problems. You're probably going to hear a lot of ideas. I got to ask, in any given week or a given month, how many new project ideas? I mean, I don't even know how many you could actually actually, <laughs> but like, I'm sure like every day is like people are like, Rick, here's my new idea. Like how many ideas do you see oversee in a, like in a calendar month? Yeah. I mean, we, we look at, we look at our projects on quarterly basis and try to do our like quarterly planning for what we're really going to work on and prioritize. And there's always hundreds of projects on the list. And it really comes down to we always say there's no bad ideas, which is what makes it really hard. It's yeah. just prioritizing like the best ideas and the most impactful ideas, right? We're always, you know, from a technology perspective, we're always resource constrained on just implementing the number of these great ideas that we can actually implement. Well, listen, as a, uh, and I think I speak for everyone as consumers of internet, which we all are, and consumers of entertainment, we all are. You know, we want you to win. We, we want you to keep building out your teams and infrastructure because, of course, we, me, I directly benefit. Like every time you guys do something better, I directly benefit. So, Rick, it was awesome having you kind of share what's changed over the last two, three years. It makes total sense. Demand for your services going up through the roof. Um, and that's not going to change. I think, I think we've met enough CIS and they're like, that's not going to change. Like the current bandwidth of data that's flowing through your systems right now, it's never going to get smaller than today. <laughs> Right. No, I totally agree. So you're going to have to keep building those systems. Rick, I want to say it's awesome for you rejoining us on IT Visionaries today. But before you go, just like you did the last time, but we're going to ask you new questions. It's time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Rick, this is where we ask you questions outside of the realm of work so our audience can get to know you a little better. You ready? I'm ready. Fire away. All right. I got to ask, what is your favorite show or movie that you've seen recently? Um, hmm. Favorite movie. I would say uh, 
the latest Doctor Strange movie is probably probably one of my more favorites that I've seen lately. <laughs> when it comes to the broader Comcast business, the NBC Universal side, I got to ask, are you a big fan of the Universal content pieces? I am. I'm a big fan of, I mean, in, in general, I'm a big fan of NBC and Peacock and, <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of the big, I mean, it's funny, a lot of the big uh, NBC series, some of my family members are really into. Let me tell you something. My son cannot wait for Jurassic World. But he can't. And that's the big one in his radar. He can't wait to go to. He can't wait to see Jurassic World. I'd like to know what's one of the craziest. IT. It doesn't have to be a Comcast. What's one of the craziest IT problems you've had ever had to solve? Ooh, well, you got me stumped on this one because there's just a million of them flowing through my head right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of the ones that come to mind for me is one that we're working on right now, which is what I talked about earlier is how to actually proactively detect customers connectivity problems. Right. Because. We're talking 35-ish million homes and devices, collecting all that data in real time, and then trying to figure out when we see anomalies, and this is where all the AI and data and all the pieces come together, right? And trying to figure out all the data. So it's, it's just a really hard problem to do at scale. We've been working on it for a couple of years now, but I think we're really close to cracking the nut. So I think that's been one of the hardest and one of the most fun and hopefully rewarding ones that we've worked on. The way you describe the benefits of being able to recognize that, being able to just get service faster all the time, I'm a fan. I hope you, I hope you 100% solve that one. <laughs> when we meet CIOs and CTOs, we always know that they like to build and create and fix. Do you build or create things physically, digitally, outside of work? Like, are you a creator? Uh, so, so it's funny. I am actually, by the time I get home, I am burned out from being a builder, <laughs> creator. My current addiction, uh, which doesn't sound very exciting, my current addiction is golf. And the reason is because um, it's this weird combination of athletic movement, but it's also like trying to understand the physics of it. And it's also, well, the nice thing is it's getting outside and enjoying the weather, you know, when it's nice out. And so um, that's my that's my latest addiction is actually trying to solve golf. And for me, it's a bit of a physics problem and a bit of a uh, athletic challenge of trying to do something that feels extremely unnatural. Uh, I'll tell you what, everyone that I know that golfs gets super frustrated. Uh, it, they always talk about the challenges behind that. I, so I got to ask, would you consider yourself a good golfer? I would not. I would not. Consider, <laughs> I, I think the reason I'm obsessed with it is because it is one of the things that I've worked on. I can't think of anything I've worked on harder that I've, I've like sucked at so much. And so that's where... <laughs> That's kind of, I think, why I have such an obsession over it. Listen, it's one of those things, right? Conceptually, it's so easy. The the balls, even with a, a close putt, it's right there. It's like, oh, man, this is no problem. And then before you know it. It's sitting there standing still. It's not going anywhere. I, I coached baseball for 12 years. And, you know, it's a little harder with baseball. The ball's moving. It's curving. It's shifting. But uh, golf, the ball's just sitting there. Shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> Yet it is. Well, Rick, it was awesome having you join us on IT Visionaries again. It was awesome hearing some of the things that have happened in the last two or three years. It makes total sense. Demand on your services has gone through the roof. It's never going back in the box. It was awesome hearing how you're thinking about how to build that talent to meet that demand. And it was pretty cool hearing about how the projects come to life at Comcast. There's no way one man or one woman can come up with enough ideas and solutions to the problems. So I'm glad to hear that this is a place where ideas can bubble to the top 
and you guys can make those investments. And it is pretty cool. I, w I do wish I was a fly in the wall to hear some of these projects. Like you said, like there's hundreds of good ideas, but what are we going to work on? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, thanks for having me today. This has been fantastic. Ton of fun um, talking with you. Thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Mm -hmm.